This young couple had invited their old interim pastor, this widower, to come and to preach, or to, to, to lunch after, after, after Sunday morning service. And so the pastor came, and the young couple was getting the meal ready, and the little guy was sitting out there with the old pastor, and, and um, they, were, they were chatting and kind of doing some small talk. And so the, the pastor said to the boy, so what, uh, what do you think we're going to have for lunch? You know, trying to create some conversation. The boy says, Goat! Goat, he said, are you sure? Oh yeah, positive. On the way home, mom looked at dad and said, remember, the old goat's coming for lunch today. <laughs> Sorry, that's just, that'll be me someday, I think. <laughs> or there was the pastor who uh, continually encountered disconflict in this church over policies, procedures, bylaws, budgets, blah, 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 nights of sleeplessness, meetings, and et cetera, et cetera. Finally said, that's it, and he started looking for another job, found a job as a chaplain in the local prison, the high-security penitentiary just down the road. And so he announced as his final message, I will be preaching from John 14, verse 1, I go to prepare a place for you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just got to throw some of that out. We're talking about peacemaking and conflict, and so that's obviously uh, perhaps closer to home for some of us than than for others, but chances are you can't live very long without having conflict in this world. Um, The tiniest kids, as they get older, the first thing that they begin to do is to fight with each other, and that's when you parents know that, yes, your children have sinful natures, and they need Jesus. The moment, the first time they fight, first time they grab a toy from their brother or bonk them with it or whatever, you know, yes, The sinful nature that you gave them is live and well in their heart, and they need the salvation that only Christ can provide, okay? Your kids are great, but they need Jesus, just like we do too, right? And as we grow up, sometimes we don't actually grow out of that. And the book of Philemon is this book which addresses this issue of conflict and and reconciliation and making things right. And so this book written in the first century, this little letter, a personal letter, a private letter, but yet an open letter, is given to us in the Bible to help us to, to see kind of a pattern of what it might look like to be a peacemaker. There is a man named Philemon who owns a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus has run away, presumably stolen some money or taken some money with him and escaped to Rome where he's hiding in the forum, encounters the Apostle Paul, encounters and discovers Jesus Christ. Paul realizes, hey, wait a second, Onesimus, I know your master. And and, and I think Onesimus at this point is like, I need to make this right. And so Paul writes this letter, sends it back with Onesimus to Philemon saying, look, we need to work this out. And in the background is this social cultural issue of slavery in the first century. If you had a runaway slave, you would bring him home, you would beat him, you would maybe even, you know, brand them on the forehead, you would make them work doubly hard, or you could have them beaten, or you would sell them to a worse slave owner. I mean, there's all sorts of things you could do with them, and it was a deterrence. You wanted to to just communicate to everyone, all the slaves, this is what happens when you run away. But Onesimus ran away and discovered Jesus. And now he's coming back, and he's coming back with this letter, and, and Paul has already written to Philemon, talked about his character, he's talked about his own, you know, Onesimus and the change that God had done in his heart, and now he himself throws himself into the middle and talks about, yeah, I'm going to be the peacemaker in this situation. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. I think it's on the screen there. Um, There we go. 
Awesome. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And you would, and I all know that sometimes situations get to the point where you need to bring in a mediator. Someone who can help bring peace into the situation. Uh, if you're in your marriage and having issues, you often need to go to a counselor who functions as a mediator to help you to hear each other, to listen to each other, to learn healthy habits of conflict and assertiveness and active listening, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes with groups of people, with churches, you bring in outside people to come in and to help you to navigate that. Sometimes, unfortunately, denominational people come in, but they don't have the skills to do this, and they make a bigger mess. Um, it, it is a skill. It, it, is, it, is, it is a fine art, and what we see in the Apostle Paul is tact, diplomacy, and truth all packaged together. And so he's talked to Philemon. He's brought up this issue of Onesimus. He's a new man. He's a brother in Christ. And now in verse 17, he gets to the issue. And this is the steps to peacemaking. First of all, get involved. Verse 17. Therefore, if you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. Paul puts a little bit of skin in the game. You know how it is. Canadians don't like to get involved in conflict very often. Uh, it's just not in our nature. And if you came from a pacifist background, you're even less likely to do so. You think, no, that, that's actually sinful to do that. But the point of the matter is sometimes you've got to get involved. And Paul puts his own kind of neck on the line and says, if you consider me a partner, Philemon, then you accept him as you would me. Because what happens is Onesimus is coming back. And the reality is the cultural situation was, yeah, you bring him back in, but you bring him back in as the disgraced slave. You punish him, you throw him out, you know, make him sleep in the woodshed, you, you, know, you, you give him the worst jobs. But Paul says, no, no, you welcome him back as though I was coming to your very house, as you would me. With honor and respect that you would give me, I would expect you to give him. If you're my partner. Sometimes as a peacemaker, you have to get involved, and it is, uh, you know, you're putting your own skin in the game. It takes courage and guts and determination that, yes, I'm going to do this right. Back in the early church history, there was a uh, Roman emperor named Theodosius. He had helped bring Christianity into the Roman Empire, and there was a bishop in Milan named Ambrose at the time. Theodosius was, you know, a professing believer, but he had been part of this huge massacre of people in Thessalonica. And so Theodosius, the emperor of Rome, comes to the cathedral in Milan, and Ambrose meets him at the door and says, you're not coming in here to worship, because you got blood on your hands. Now, like, this is the Roman emperor. You're just a little bishop in Milan, but Ambrose said, no, no. What happened in Thessalonica wasn't right. And you're not coming in to worship or take communion or participate in this. If, if, you, if you think that's okay, well, Theodosius, you know, is, is you know, wise man. So he said, well, you know, King David was a murderer. and He was a man after God's own heart. And Ambrose replied to him, you have imitated David in his crime. Imitate him in repentance. <laughs> and eventually he did changed some of the laws. He couldn't be executed without a 40-day waiting period. And, he, you know, he, uh, he made him do some penance and all that stuff. That was, you know, back then. But someone willing to kind of put their neck out there 
Get involved. If you regard me as a partner, and again, that's that word, you know, that's a business term for a business partnership. And, and you know, this is the gospel partnership. If you consider me that, then, then you need to accept him as you would me. This is loyalty. This is friendship. This is love. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we've lost this, right? We know. If someone hurts your friend, you know, you can say, well, that's their issue. You know, you, you should get involved. Say, no, you, you shouldn't do that to, to, to your friend, to my friend. And if you're going to hurt your, your, my friend, you're hurting me. And so, you know, but some people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to get involved in that situation. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to raise my voice. But, but Paul says, look, we've got an issue here. I've become really close to Onesimus, but I'm really close to you. And so we need to figure this out. So if you consider me a partner, accept him as you would me. Get involved. Step in. Put some skin in the game. But secondly, he says, you know, be invested. Verse 18 and 19a. He says, now, if he has defrauded you of anything or owes you anything, charge that what he owes to me. I, Paul, have written this letter with my own hand. I will repay it. I mean, the, the issue in the background was kind of this financial thing. Yeah, you've taken advantage of your master on SMS. Probably, like, my conjecture was, yeah, he probably did some business deal, and instead of coming back with the money, jumped on a ship and disappeared, right? So he's got all this money. There's the lost time that he would have served his master to that's missing. There's all this, you know, kind of in the back of it. But Paul's like, I know that that might come to your mind. If that's the issue, just understand, I'll take care of it. I'm willing to put my own skin in the game to see this reconciliation, this peace happen. And he puts like his own signature on it. I, Paul, have written this my mind. Now, oftentimes Paul would use like, like a secretary to write down the letters. He would dictate. And so presumably it's at this point, Paul grabs the letter, takes the quill or whatever, and begins to, I, Paul, write this with my own hand, just so you know, like this is me speaking here. I'll look after it if that's the issue. If that's what's holding you back from extending peace and reconciliation and forgiveness to him. Get Involved, be invested. I'm not trying to diminish this. It is emotionally exhausting to be involved in conflict. Yeah. You will pay a price if you choose to help people find peace. You may be accused of things. You may have to just receive just the vitriol of people's rawest emotions. But the peacemaker realizes that on the far side of this, there, there, there's a, a wonderful pasture of green, green meadows waiting of, of fellowship and reconciliation. But sometimes the journey is not easy. Paul's like, if this, if this is the thing holding you back, I'll look after it. Get involved, be invested. But he also says, be honest. End of verse 19 there. I could also mention that you owe me your very self. And it's certain to this letter is, I mean, there's a lot of meaning in that verse. He's like, look, finally, you understand, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if I wouldn't have shared the gospel with you. We have a whole new level of conversation because you have discovered what your runaway slave has discovered. You owe me your very self. And it's, it's kind of a funny way because it's like, I, I don't really need to, I don't really want to mention it, but I am mentioning it. Ha, ha, ha. You know, this is what it does, right? Sometimes the truth is hard to stomach, but it's good to bring it up. I had a guy once that um, was struggling with some pretty heavy sin and came and, and, and we, we, we helped him because that's what a church does. Like you don't have to be ashamed or run away because you have sin issues in your life. His issue was pornography and so we were working with him and we had seen some victory and we'd provided some support and 
But then later on, he began to be very critical of, of one of the guys, you know, one of the leaders in the music area. And, and I just sent a little message to him. You know, I just said to him, like, you know, you have received grace. I think you can extend grace. I didn't mention anything specific or detailed, but, I, you know, implied was, you, you understand how we've walked with you. Now, I need you to continue to walk with the other people in the same way. And he was so offended. Left the church, never have seen him again. I could mention that you owe me your very self. Sometimes you bring in the truth in these situations, and, and you realize, yeah, I could reckon, you know, you, you've received grace. You have been forgiven. The, the Scripture says, if you're not willing to forgive... God is, it, it, well, is not willing to forgive you. It's pretty serious. Jesus says that in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. So he's like, look, Philemon, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, you know, we, you, you know, we have to move forward from this new reality. You owe me your very self. It is a barbed point in the letter. But in humility, you can receive that barb and say, yeah, you're right. And while it's not easy... And it always costs someone to forgive because Christ paid the ultimate price for our forgiveness. The, the, the smaller prices we pay are nothing in comparison. Be honest. Uh, number four, look for the win-win. Verse 20, yes, brother, let me have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. It's not about someone being right or someone else being right someone getting the final word in and the other person getting, you know, insulted. It's about the win-win of, of unity and fellowship in the body of Christ. Um, I mean, he talked earlier about, you know, finally, I mean, you have refreshed the hearts of the saints. He brings that same word up here. Now I want you to refresh my heart in Christ as we discover the blessing and the beauty of peace between brothers and sisters in Christ. Look for the win when, when you take these steps, guess what? You are blessing me, right? I mean, you know how it is. When you as a child did the right thing, and, and that your parents were blessed by it. Your youth pastor was blessed by it. Um, you know, and, and, and when we do the right thing, the, the Father is glorified by it. And here in this situation, it says, you know, you do the right thing, finally, it, it comes back to me as a blessing. Refresh my heart in Christ. You don't bless anyone when you continue to hold bitterness, unforgiveness, when you fight, when you gossip, when you slander, it doesn't help anyone. Look for the win-win. The enemy is always striving to bring disunity like, and, and division. Like, he loves that. He wants you to fight with your spouse all the time. He loves that. He loves a family that's not connected. He loves it. He loves a church that, that natters at each other. He loves it. Because it distracts us from Jesus. And we moving up and out a new life in Jesus Christ realize that, yes, I die in order that I can have a healthy relationship with my wife. And I can be a better father. And I can hopefully be a, 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 you know, a gentle pastor, right? And, and God is continuing to be off my rough edges. But, he, but here it is. It's like, you know, when I, when I cling to my rights and my position and my, you know, I, I, you know the, getting the last word in, then the division starts to happen. But it's like, look, you know, let's find the win-win in this situation. Look for the win Verse 21, he says, you know, expect the best. Since I was confident that you would obey, I wrote to you because I knew that you would do even more than what I'm asking you to do. Expect 
the best. I don't know if what you, like, I, I tend to sometimes expect the worst. Because, I, because you know, as a leader, I got to anticipate, okay, this could happen, or this could happen, or this could happen, or this could happen. So I'm going to prepare for the worst possible outcome, but I hope it's the best possible outcome. And, 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 but, some, you know, sometimes your heart is here, even though you're, you're anticipating this. And, 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 and Paul's like, look, look, I, I, I really believe this is possible, Philemon, the best. I know you're going to obey. Uh, you're going to do even more than I'm asking you to do. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the Christ-centered thing to do. It's, it's what glorifies God, and that's where I know your heart is. And, you know, he's not thinking, okay, Philemon's going to leave the church, start his own denomination, and, you know, you know the, the anti-slavery movement, whatever. You know, he's like, no, no, I know you're going to do the right thing. Are you a bit of a doomsdayer? Do you, like, you know, do you think about the worst possible outcome and, and jump to that conclusion? Be aware of that. There is a lot of garbage going on in the world. And so even outside of this particular inter, interpersonal conflict, there's a lot of garbage. And we can always think about the worst possible scenario. But in Christ, we, we think about what is the best possible scenario. We realize this is here. But we don't live with that fear dominating our heart. We live right here in the best. I, I, I think you can do even more than what I'm going to ask you to do. You can show everyone in Colossae that the gospel is transformative that it changes lives and it even changes relationships. And here, a, a runaway, you know, rebel slave becomes a, a brother in Christ with his master. Where could that happen except in the church and with Jesus? Expect the best. You get into conflict just and you're a peacemaker. Try to say, you know, we are, we are this is our target, the best. Not, well, hopefully we get, you know, sort of halfway there or, you know, well, it's going to be really bad and ugly. Let's expect the best. As we'll find out in a moment when I look at some verses in the New Testament, sometimes you don't get the best. But it doesn't mean you don't keep trying. And we don't keep striving for that direction. And some of you have, like me, relationships that, that, that haven't been restored. And you're like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I've apologized, I've reached out, and it's, it's, I'm hitting a blank wall. What do you do? You just leave it with the Lord. And you keep moving on. And you try not to make the same mistakes. You try to honor Christ in your relationships. Expect the best. If you are in marital struggles and you've given up, it's impossible to help you. When one spouse says, yeah, yeah, we're going to work on this, the other one's like, yeah, I'll go to counseling, but I've already given up. It's, it's impossible. You can't do it. My wife was a professional counselor for many years, and she's like, if one was not committed to it, it never, ever happened. But if both are saying, you know what, we've really messed up, this is, a, you know, we, we've got a lot of unhealthy habits, but we are going to try to figure this out. Then you can expect the best, especially when Christ is in that mix. Expect the best. And then verse 22, follow up. At the same time, also, prepare a place for me to stay, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given back to you. So I hope to, I'm going to show up there. I'm going to come in and sit in the church service with you. I'm going to watch brother, you know, and brother shake hands and, you know, greet each other with a, you know, a kiss and all that, and whatever they did in, in Colossus. I'm going to be there. And I fully expect that when I get there, this is all over. This is, you know, water under the bridge, and we're moving forward sharing the gospel in the Lycus Valley. Or you've sent Onesimus back to, to help me or whatever. I mean, I just expect this to be all over. I'm going to come back to your house. I'm going to follow up, and, and this is going to be a beautiful thing. We're going to keep an ongoing relationship, a healthy relationship. And then he closes up the, the letter, verses 23 to 25. And he says, Epaphras, 
my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you. In Colossians, it tells us that, that he's always in prayer for them. So he's like basically saying, I've got my prayer warrior on this. He knows what's going on. He's praying for this. Um, by the way, verse 24, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-laborers, greet you too. And interesting, Mark, if you read the book of Acts, you discover Mark is this guy that, that, that Paul wrote off earlier in his life. They're on this missionary journey, and partway through, Mark goes home because this was getting a little too hard for him. And then they get back to, to, to home base, and Mark's ready to go again. And Barnabas like, let's go. Let's take Mark. And Paul's like, I'm not taking that guy. He's a, he's a wuss. You know, he's going to wimp out on us. I'm going to be left stranded without help. I'm not bringing that guy along. Barnabas is like, no, he's changed. He's a new guy. No, no, I'm, forget it. And Paul takes silence. Barnabas takes Mark, and boom. But now we get to this letter in Philemon, and he's like, oh, yeah, Mark. And Timothy talks about, yeah, Mark is very helpful to me. So Paul has come around with Mark. Philemon, could you come around with Onesimus? We need to give people second chances. Uh, even, even when they've blown it. Don't write people off. God doesn't write them off. We shouldn't write people off. Uh, none of us would be here if we were written off when we made mistakes. Mark. Luke, this is not an issue between me and you or you and Onesimus. The larger church is involved in this scenario. You understand, when you blow it, you don't just affect your own family. You, you affect a larger group, too. Uh, when you drag your family out of a church to another church, and when you, you commit sin, like, well, that was my sin. No, no, you hurt your family when you do, you know, immoral things. Yeah, and it, it, it spills over to the whole body, and we all feel the, the, the weight of that. But he's like, look, there's a group of people here. This is the elite team of ministers, and, and they're greeting you, and they're, and they're looking for the good response here, too. This is the peacemaking team. He says in verse 25, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I just want to look at a few passages in the New Testament. Just see, so, okay, so, so where does this stuff come from? In Matthew 5, Jesus would say this, verse 25, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your gift. Um, Christians have messed this up. It's like, if you think someone's offended with you, you should go chase them down and see if they're offended with you. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, I'm coming to worship, and I realize, yeah, I cursed my buddy out the other day when we were in the shop. Or I lied, or I acted inappropriately, or I failed to do what I said I would do for someone, and I sinned against them. And, and I can't come and worship. I can't come take communion with this sin in my heart. I, I'm going I'm to stop. I'm going to drive. I'm going to text them. I'm going to make sure I get this right before I come to worship the Lord. This is me being aware of my own sin. This is Onesimus here. Paul, I need to deal with this. Paul's like, okay, let me help you. I will help be the peacemaker in this situation. He writes a letter so that Onesimus, who is coming to worship the Lord, says, I want to serve the Lord. I love serving the Lord. But I got this, this huge elephant in, in my room that's, that my, my, you know, my master, who's also a believer. I need to make this right. So Paul says, let me help you make this right. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. So far as it depends on you. You can't control everyone else's response, but have you done everything you can to be at peace with all people? There are some people that are just 
get ticked off all the time and they don't care. Like, and you, he says, don't, don't worry about that. Like, you, yeah, there's some people you just will never be at peace with. It's not your fault. You've done what you can do. You've, you've taken the steps. You've offered the, you know, the, 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 the peace branch and they're not taking it. Well, then you just move on in life. Knowing that you did what you could do and they didn't receive it. Ephesians 4, the application of Ephesians 1 to 3, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling with which you've been called. This high calling from eternity past where you are now a child of God brought into his eternal family. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's not in vogue to make every effort these days. But this is what the Scripture calls us to do making every effort. And you notice the character required for this. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And you just think about how God bears with you. How he puts up with your stupidity, with your sinfulness, with your selfishness, with your narcissism, with, you know, with, with your pettiness. And then say, now, as the Father has treated you, so you should treat others. In James he writes and says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct he should show his works, done in the gentleness that wisdom brings. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfishness in your hearts, do not boast and tell lies against the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Satan does use church people to mess up churches. You're like, oh, is there a believer? No, Satan uses believers to mess up churches. What selfishness and uh, lies and all that stuff is Satan's work trying to disrupt churches and families and marriages. It says in verse 16, For where there is jealousy and selfishness, there is disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, not hypocritical. And the fruit that consists of righteousness is planted in peace, among those who make peace. You see the peace piece here? Get over yourself and seek to bring the wisdom of God and the peace of God into the situation in which you are with truth and identify where the selfish behavior is because sometimes people are just acting selfishly. They want it their way. That's not the way the church works. We want it God's way. We want Christ's way in the church, not my way, not your way. Not, you know. We surrender that in order to pursue Christ's way here. Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, this is something you put on. You don't have this naturally. You might think you're a nice person, but without Christ, you are incapable of actually practicing this on a consistent basis. Clothe yourself. You wake up in the morning, you put aside the old person, and you put on the new person, right? Baptism last week, right? That old person died, the new person rose from the water, and now we're trying to clothe ourselves with that new person every day. It's not natural to be humble, gentle, and patient. I've been working on that for 30 years. <laughs> Still trying to figure that out. Uh, verse 13. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. 
love. Which again, in our world, we don't define the way the Bible defines it, right? Love is this selfless uh, giving of yourself for the sake of another person. Right, love for us is sex, it's lust, it's, it's just emotional feelings. But in the Bible, love is sacrificial offering of oneself on the behalf of another love, which is what we're celebrating here, God's love for us in Christ. Now, just so you know, we have a new life, this thing called the New Life Conflict Resolution Process. It's built on Matthew chapter 18. This is our our, our, our rule book on how we handle conflict as a church. If you want to go rogue and handle it your own way, we will address you and say, no, that we, we have agreed this is, we're going to do it Jesus' way. I have had men tell me, well, there's other verses on conflict. And, and I'm like, yes, but this is what Jesus told us to do. God himself, in the person of his son, said, this is how you handle conflict in the church. So I am going to take Jesus standard and gameplay over anyone else's opinion on this matter. So we say, we agree, Jesus gets the final word. Not Mike, and although the denomination did draw this up for us, it's built totally on Matthew 18, and there, it's on our website, you can see it. This is how it handles. When you have an issue with someone, you don't go to someone else to talk about that person, you go to the person. And then when that is not resolved, you bring someone else to come in and help you with the person. And then you document it all on the process, and then you can get the board involved. If it's still not reconciled, we'll help you be peacemakers because we want to see peace and Christ glorified in this church. But we have a process, and we have a, which is Christ's process, and we're committed to that process. And if you don't follow Christ's process, I will call you out because it only works when you follow it Jesus' way. It never works when you go rogue on this. And here's Paul saying, we're going to do this God's way, God honoring him, and I want you just to follow this and trust in it. And the final verse is this. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. Philemon's willing to say, look, if that slave owes you money, I'll pull out my checkbook and, and you tell me what's the price. I'll look after it. I'll pay for it. Jesus looked down at you and me and said, yeah, they have a debt they cannot pay. But I'll take care of it for you. And on the cross, he died. His blood paid the price for our sin and now in Christ, we have been brought together. He is our peace. And so as we partake in communion this morning, we celebrate this peace that we have with God, which enables us to be peacemakers with each other and to bring a message of peace to our world, that God is, is reconciling people to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and only his son but that there's an open offer to anyone to receive Jesus Christ, to believe in him, and to have eternal life. And that's based on his death and his resurrection. And we're encouraged to do this until he returns to remember this. So this is our anchor point here. How can I make right? How can I be a peacemaker? How can I live a life and resolve conflict in a healthy way? Because of Jesus Christ. He solved the conflict that we had with God by offering himself. And he invites us 
to, 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 to one, to receive that, but then to also to live in that reality of reconciliation and of peace. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to join me in communion this morning as we celebrate. So we begin our fall, we're going to anchor ourselves in this truth. There is peace in Jesus Christ. That we've been justified through, through his sacrifice. And, and having been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so guys like Paul can write Philemon and say, look, we, you can have peace with your runaway slave. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. You can restore peace in your marriage. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. You, you, you can have peace in your family. How? Through Jesus Christ. And your church can grow in peace. How? Through Jesus Christ. If you have people you've ticked off and you know you've ticked them off and you haven't made it right, then maybe it's not the right time to celebrate communion. But if you've done your part, you've forgiven, you've, you've apologized, you've repented, you've, you've turned away from that sin. Even if the person hasn't restored you, you know, come and take it because this is the reality is that sometimes you do what you can do and the person doesn't respond. That's okay. But we recognize that God did everything for us through Jesus Christ. And we want to remember that. And that's the hope we offer to everyone. Yes, you can be restored to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, no matter what you've done. God offers you his forgiveness and invites you into his forever family through Jesus Christ. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you don't, just sit down and watch us take it. You know, this is, this, this is a family meal. This is a, yes, I believe, I, I proclaim this as truth that's in my life. I've received Christ. I believe in him. He is my peace. But in doing this, you're also committing to be a peacemaker. I will seek to bring the peace of Christ into every relationship that I'm in my marriage, my family, with my extended family, with my co-workers, I will be God's agent of peace. As Paul put himself in the middle of the situation, sometimes we'll put ourselves in the middle of the situation and say, yes, I'm going to seek to bring peace to this situation because of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm heading to Ukraine. You understand, I'm Ukrainian. I wanted to go to Ukraine in 2007, and the guy from SGA called me and said, Mike, there's no opportunity to go to the Ukraine right now because there's lots of stuff going on in the Ukraine. But there is an opportunity right now, Mike, to go to Russia. And I'm like, I don't really want to go to Russia. In fact, deeply embedded into my heart was a, a, a not a like for Russians because the Ukrainians don't like Russians, right? That's part of their, our genetic, you know, makeup. And, and so God's grinning as he sends me to Russia in 2007. I meet these wonderful people. In fact, half of the church was married to Ukrainians in that part of Russia. So there's a ton of Ukrainians there. I mean, and this is the thing. As I go to Ukraine, I'm like, guys, this war is not our issue. In Christ, we are peace and we are brothers with each other. And we support and we pray for each other. This is not, you know, you know we, we, there is a political issue going on here. But in Christ, there is no war. And I hope to bring a message of like, no, we, we love each other across the border. And we pray for peace so that we can continue to share the gospel in Russia and in Ukraine and in Belarus and in every part of, of that part of the Eastern Europe. And so I invite you to partake with me. Team, would you come up? Uh, what we'll do is we'll have you come up the sides. There's bread and cup. You can just grab it yourself. There's also gluten-free right here to my left, your right. So you can grab a gluten-free uh, return to your seats, and then we'll partake of communion together. If you're unable to get up, which is fine, uh, Mickey is circling in, this, in, in the congregation. He has the bread and the cup, so you just got to raise your hand, and he'll come to you and serve you where you're seated. If you don't want to get up, that's fine. If you're not yet sure about Jesus, you can just sit there and watch us. That's no big deal either. But we want to just 
get our feet grounded in the peace of Christ as we begin this fall, as we think about what God has done for us and, and what hope we offer to our community, we want to just ground in this reality of the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. And so we remember that today. So if, if you today know that your, your, your heart is right with the Lord, you have received him, you've confessed your sin, I invite you to come, grab the bread, grab the cup, return to your seats. Once everyone's received, we'll partake together as a team us in some singing as we take up that song. So would you pray with me as we prepare for, for communion? Lord, you know our sinfulness. But we just come to you again on the basis of your grace and mercy that has been demonstrated to us through Jesus Christ. We stand today on the ground the foot of the cross where the blood of Christ was poured out for our sins where he offered his body for us you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God and we walk to receive communion this morning having been declared righteous having been given the very character of Christ as you look upon us you no longer see our dark spots but you see blood of your son Jesus Christ why because we believe in him thank you for the peace that we have that I can even talk to you like this is only made possible because of Jesus Christ and so we grab these elements today the bread and the cup in remembrance and in sincere worship and appreciation for the peace that we have with you so prepare us may this be a moment of spiritual connection with you and with one another as we celebrate